By the way, I'm going to do a free Bombas ad, man. Bombas is such a great company. I was ordering some socks for my trip and I forgot to pay for the extra fast shipping and I noticed that it wasn't going to get there on time. I said, I sent them a message over the weekend and said, oh, I'm sorry, can we cancel this order and I would like to redo it with a faster delivery. And they said, no worries, we've resent it with faster deliveries and if the other order still gets there, feel free to keep both sets. That's so. Cool. I mean, that's also probably amazing margins on those socks, but yeah, they're not great, the great best service. Socks. I great, be, great service. I Use the code PVA at checkout. Not true. I don't All right, know I take back the part about <laughs> not being the best socks. That's a new segment. I think that we should do Alex's fake ad reads. <laughs> Welcome to People vs. Algorithms, a show about patterns in media, technology, and culture. I'm Brian Morrissey of The Rebooting, and each week I'm joined by Troy Young, investor and longtime media exec, as well as writer of the People vs. Algorithms newsletter, and Alex Schleifer, former head of design at Airbnb and CEO of Universal Entities. Alex has been patient in recent weeks, okay, mostly patient, with the last few episodes veering into the muck of the advertising world. This week, we are gonna mostly operate on Alex's turf with a discussion of the new Apple mixed reality headset slash goggle thing that will come next year. I'm fascinated by whether this will ever take off. One part of me feels it is inevitable that computing will progress to where it is embedded within our bodies. So it makes sense that the next step is to bring computing literally to our face and in our everyday consciousness in the form of AR slash VR. I'm also aware, however, of the experience of Google Glass and the utter ridiculousness of that brief period in 2014 where we chose to pretend it wasn't bizarre and antisocial to wear around a computer on your face. But Apple is different. It has earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to getting people excited and bought into new technology paradigms. Unlike Troy and Alex, I'm not ready to rush out and put one of these things on my face and ride the A train just yet, but I will try to be open-minded. So this week we discuss whether Apple can drag us into this new era of computing, how it intersects with AI, and the future of CNN, and more to the point, why it even matters, since, as Alex has said, the alien ship of AI is over the White House. So who cares what a second place cable news network that draws just over a half million viewers in prime time does? And finally, good products for the summer as I try to hijack Troy's segment to discuss the classic boardwalk game, The Claw, which is rigged, but still fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get this podcast. Always enjoy reading those. I'm not sure if I actually reference this one, so I'm going to reference the one from Jordan Lee Wilcox, who said, laser accurate and hot. To put it succinctly, these guys are exactly what we need to listen to right now. Troy, Alex, and Brian bring so much experience to their commentary. It's like hiring a C-suite to advise you every week. Keep it up, folks. Fire and fear you bring in my heart every episode is a crucible I need in these dangerous times. So we we are here for you, Jordan Lee Wilcox, to bring the fire and the fear. If you have any feedback, do send me a note. My email is brian at therebooting.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. So what are we going to talk about today? Nothing really happened. This is your day to shine. This is your episode to shine. You've put up with all this talk about advertising and all this crap. And now we're going to talk about face computers. I don't think we need to talk about face computers all that much, I think. Really? Because that's what I have down on my notes. <laughs> We should start with the I people. 
The I people are getting older. They're sort of like late middle age now. You mean the people that were presenting the I products? Yes. Especially the gang. This sort of disconnect between the video presentation and the voice track, which made it sound kind of weird. And there was the gray haired guy that was talking about the MacBook. And well, no, he's talking about the operating system. Craig. It was weird. Is that the guy with the guitar? Yeah, iOS? Is that a base? Craig Federighi? Yeah, I mean, they're all getting, I mean, they all have white hair. They've been doing a better job of bringing people on. But I'm going to say, like, they're so good at so making good. these things. They're so good at making it. But it's almost too like, good, Alex. It's well, a little it's, too it's, much. You can see that a logistics person has taken over. Everything is really well run. But I got to be honest, not a huge vision for this feature release of this headset. It's just I still don't understand who needs it. Okay, and, so let's 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 back up know. for a second. They had a typical thing where they released, I don't know, a thinner, bigger laptop and all this other stuff. But it was all lead up to these goggles, this vision yes. headset. Yeah, but on, on the way, Brian, there were a yeah. lot of real solid singles and doubles in terms of just really nice enhancements to the operating systems and stuff that makes tons of sense that I want. I want that shit. Yeah, yeah, well, and Apple fun. has a way of, of releasing things that maybe Android might have had for a while, just doing it slightly better and making people excited about it. <laughs> you know what I love about Apple is that... But this can, is, I, I feel about this how you feel about programmatic advertising. Like, really? Are we spending a lot of time on this? I mean, outside of the incremental upgrades to like... Yeah, know, have you ever lost your remote control, your Apple TV remote control? It's a pain in the butt. Now you can find it with your iPhone. This is my problem with Tim Apple. He's I mean, are you telling me that being able to use your iPhone and making FaceTime calls over a TV is the same as a programmatic ad? You think the general populace looks at this and goes, oh, no, I mean, I'm just talking personally. Price. My interest level in incremental technology improvements is sort of minimal. So we're just trying to. I hate to pile on with Alex here, Brian, oh, but of course. I really want tap to switch contacts. I, I love that feature. I want airplay in a hotel room. I want video voicemail. I want, oh, I want that one where I can put my face automatically over my presentation. That's cool. You didn't see that one? No. It's like video chatting, but it automatically outlines your head and then it puts your presentation, like your keynote presentation, behind you so you can kind of present elegantly, like on top of your content. That's oh, cool. Like a TikTok. But like these events, these events are always weird because they'll go like from presenting the new M2 Ultra processors, which is like two Max chips, which are already crazy attached to each other. And they're putting that in a Mac Pro that can get up to 192 gigabytes of RAM. These are like world changing machines. And then they do a nice little shift to like, and now if you long press this button, you can add a sticker to a message. It's a fucking wild thing that they do. Just like as a marketing event, as a marketing event, which company can even get away with that? Spend as much time on something like a sticker or like balloons that pop up when you when you put two thumbs up during a video call and then announce brand new devices and health monitoring and depression monitoring and all that type of shit. I think the scale of the improvement stuff is where Apple is actually really good at at this stage. They can do many, many minor improvements at once, which they weren't that good at. But I do think while the headset was... The headset was badass. Let's get it. But I Come don't on. understand. Do you think Jobs would have released that without a clear vision? Well, that it's not, where's Th the, that this will is, be the subject no, of, of endless speculation. But there's no thousand songs in your pocket. There's no taking something out of a manila envelope. You know, look like an asshole on the plane. Look like an asshole around your family. They can't get away from the fact that this is very cool technically, but 
I, do I need it? I want it. I'm definitely buying one, but I, I don't know how it changes the world in any way. And I think that vision of interface is dystopian when the interface shift that's actually happening, the interface shift that's happening right now is AI. And there was not one mention of AI, which is refreshing in a way, but it's also, what? Craig Federighi literally had like 10 seconds on the fact that Siri can now show you multiple timers on your iPad at once as a feature update. Yeah. So I guess that's the point. I mean, this has been billed as Apple's biggest product release in some time since the iPhone, but I, I don't know. I'd love to spend more time on the, the double thumbs up sort of feature, but... The double thumbs up feature is awesome. So <laughs> I do agree that multiple timers seems trivial next to all the other stuff. So nice one, Alex. The eye screen is bizarre. It's awesome and it makes tons of sense, but it's mm -hmm. very strange that we're now going to be looking at people's virtual eyes all the time. I'm not sure there's anything you can do about the asshole thing. I'm wearing that on a plane. I'm sorry. I'm definitely going to wear oh, that. Oh, business on the plane. class is going to be full of these fucking things. <laughs> That's going to be all of business class yeah. for sure. Well, while I'm on my way back to Comfort Plus, I'm going to be giving you guys like, this thing <laughs> with your off brand. I don't even Bluetooth think you headset. need business class because you, you can now schedule day. Brian, you, you can schedule. render business class on the headset. You're done. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. You just need to ignore your legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that, you got Facebook for that. They ignored the legs. Okay, that's so good, like, that's, a, so, that's a good so, joke. That's, uh, <laughs> it is. Don't say that's a good joke. You sound like Scott Galloway. I gotta tell was, you. That was funny. Alex, I really wanted to talk to you about the crown because the idea that you can dial up and dial down reality is banging. It's such a good idea. Look, from a feature perspective, here are the things that I think they got right and that could be like easier pill to swallow for most people. First of all, those screens are apparently very good. The crown, like an easy device to take reality in and out. It's kind of like a big deal. And having a nice hardware dial to do that is really quite useful. And I think they'll design it well. The fact that you see the eyes through the lens, even though that's weird, I think will create a lot of... <laughs> this is great audio content. Troy just came back with an Oculus Quest on his face. It looks totally looks, normal. It looks like a complete You can't thing. see my eyes. I can't see. see but that's why I everybody. That's why I put googly eyes on mine. And so they're doing a lot of things that will actually help, like kind of the disconnect between people outside the world and you in the world. They're adding a lot of, I would say, incremental features to do AR headset, eyes seeing through, and the, the vision dial and stuff like that. That will make this, you know. I, I think they're incremental. It's base level value proposition. You can put the headset on and not feel completely disconnected and vulnerable. No, Have I you agree. Ever put the, I yeah, agree. I, I mean, totally agree. I mean, although on, on, on the Oculus Quest, you can also kind of blend reality. It's in black and white, but you can blend reality and not. And I'm saying they're improving on all of these things. They are, except for the fact that I cannot see a real use case yet. The only one that feels like really like a winner for this that will make me buy it for 3500 bucks, And I think the only one being that it's a great replacement for a screen, I think. Because you can have your laptop and then you can have a giant screen that's projected above that laptop. Now, we laugh, but I think that would be nice for me since I'm working on a game and I do need my code editor on one side and then I'd be able to look at the game. And if I could do this in a virtual space in higher enough resolution, there is value there. It's valuable, but I don't think it's... It feels like the iPad when the iPad got released. Something that's technically impressive. People will buy it, but this is not... This is not the interface shift. The interface shift is going to be AI before it is this stuff. I think that's a good point. But what about the supple woven cable? Uh, this is not my words. Cable, yeah. No, no, no. I love Apple language. It's the yes. modifiers I like. 
Okay. They called yeah. it the, the supple woven cable. So Troy is attracted to the frippery. I want to focus though on the, I mean, it's the masterclass in presentation, Brian. The goggles. I mean, you can't We can say get to that, the masterclass, right? but the actual product itself, right? So virtual reality, they didn't mention virtual reality a lot. This sort of blends into the marketing challenge because the marketing challenge is Google Glass. Google Glass was outside of those of you who might have worn it, was just a laughing stock. Like I actually started a Tumblr, the ladies of Google Glass, just collecting photos of women wearing Google Glass. It's ridiculous. And virtual reality has led to all kinds of jokes. We talked about the people not having legs or idiots wearing it on the subway and stuff like this. And I feel like this is a new technology that already has, and maybe this is, is sort of me in the smart aleck class, has some challenges because it's thought of in a negative light just before it even begins. A lot of technology paradigms start with excitement. I feel like this one is starting where, because of what has come out so far, people are saying, why the hell do I need a screen on my face to get away from screens? It's a huge hill to climb. You don't want to design a surfboard while getting toast for your children? No, I don't. Uh, that's in the ad. <laughs> so, that is in the okay. ad. It's a huge challenge. That, yeah. So there's two forces at play here. One, which is the progress of human-computer interaction, which started with the human being really far away and using punch cards to then creating a keyboard, to then having a mouse, which was a natural way, to then being able to literally touch the glass that the data was happening on. And then so if you draw a line and you got half a brain, you go like, well, the next step is right in front of our eyes, right? And yeah. so everybody's like, well, that's the future. All right, so that's that thing. Then on the other side of it, it's got all these things like it's fucking dystopian. It's about putting something between yourself and reality. And it's wearing something on your face, which always makes you look bad. Anything that we put on our face feels so much more like a decision, right? The wrist was even hard for them, right? To get people to add the watch. Mm -hmm. So putting something on your face, no matter how you look at it, makes you look bad and undesirable. So these two things are in conflict. And on top of that, like the atom bomb of AI coming in saying, you know what, actually... We're going to skip straight ahead the world of the interface where it's like right in your eyeballs. And we're just going to go straight between you and your brain so you can just have a conversation with it. And actually, it is maybe better to have screens and kind of displays on the things that you need to interact with. It's got a lot going against it. At the same time, as a technologist, I'm very impressed and excited to try it. But I have bought a dozen VR headsets that I have maybe collectively used for like 30 hours. I don't think people will use it. So Troy, from like a marketing perspective, brand perspective, does this get over all the hurdles that VR, AR, mixed reality, these goggles inevitably are going to have? Because I just believe, like you said, Alex, when it comes to putting a computer in your face, it's a lot different than having a laptop, than having an iPad, than even having an iWatch. A face is, it's personal and it's our identity in some ways. And I think computing is already encroaching on our identity in a more profound way, probably, with AI. And so I think it's entering a very fraught period. I think that we need to separate out a bunch of things. Like, is there something creepy and dystopian about this? And are we edging into a period of full kind of computer augmentation or integration in a way that feels uncomfortable, like we should just go for a hike? So let's just set that aside for a minute, okay? And I want... If you've used a headset, the biggest and most disorienting part of it is when you put it on, you don't know what the fuck is going on around you. You feel vulnerable. You feel completely disconnected. I think that the insight that both people can see you and you can see out and there's a way to dial it up and dial it down is a really interesting answer. The proof will be in using it. Having said that, there will be people lined up around the block 
okay, putting $3,500 unjustified charges on their credit card. This will be a banging success. People will buy, you know why? Because of what Alex said, because suddenly you have the world's best home theater on your face. That simple use case that you can go somewhere in your small apartment and watch fully immersive, incredible spatial audio, whatever, great entertainment experience or gaming experience will be something that a lot of people seek out. It will be a small part of the population, but this will be a, an important and popular new product is my prediction. Okay. Apple doesn't do niche. Like yeah, they do I, scaled products that are used by millions it's okay. of billions of it's people. It's okay. I got to tell you, when I saw the iPod, I was like, this is wickedly cool. That one, it was a little easier to see how much, who would use it and all of that. The watch, I was incredibly skeptical about. Look what's happened to the watch. I mean, it's. I think the it, watch sucks. It's far right, and it's away the, the, the best-selling the, the, watch the, in the, the world. The best-selling right? watch so, in the I mean, world. you know, don't you use an Android phone or something? I don't know. I use okay. Apple products. I use an Apple Watch. I, I think, think we're having different conversations here, right? I think they'll sell every one of those things that they make for sure. I mean, there's just yeah. at least like a an enterprise reasoning for this with people working from home and being able to, especially like when you're kind of collaborating on three stuff or stuff like. There'll be use cases for it. My issue with it, this is often touted as kind of the next step. This is the next phone, right? This is the interchef. The phone didn't destroy the need for computers, but it definitely became the main way people use computer interfaces. I think this is often touted as that. I think it's nowhere close. And I think that by the time the technology becomes so good that it is truly ambient, that it truly looks like my glasses and doesn't have a cable going to a battery, the human interface will be so kind of engaged in this kind of AI models of just like thinking or talking to computers that this stuff will feel like a pro tool. I buy the 13-inch iPad. I know I'm one of the few people who do. I use it for drawing. That's my thing. It's got to be a small market. I think the thing that's disappointing for Apple is that there was no clear vision, 1,000 songs in your pocket type thing for this. And even when you saw the iPhone, you immediately saw like, ah, shit, yes, I always wanted to do this, but I never could. You know, it's an internet communicator, it's a phone, and oh, it's got all of these things together. That felt genuinely like a good value proposition. And I think part of the issue is that Apple is that they don't have the product marketing that they did under Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was a product marketer, understanding the product and how to market, what people needed and how to tell that story. They've lost that. They've become incredibly good at logistics, at engineering. The, their chips are just a marvel. The M architecture chips that they announced are a marvel of technology. But yet, when it comes to a vision for humanity and how we're going to use computers, it all feels very, you know, Microsoft doing a future tech demo. Yeah, here's how we're going to talk and it's going to auto-translate and here's how the school of the future looks. And it's all stuff that's very niche and doesn't actually move the needle much on how we use computers, honestly. I don't really know what you're talking about, to be honest. Are you trying to say that they couldn't distill down the consumer value proposition in a single line, either because the use case doesn't exist, or they haven't built an application to manifest it, or because they're bad marketers? No, I don't think the product has it. They're good marketers and they're good builders. I think what they don't have is a story that they can build around something like that that says this is why this device right. this is why this device deserves to be in your life. Can you, know, you imagine seen, one uh, of you've those? You've seen iPods before? No, because I don't. I think this this is one of those things. This is one of those technologies. This is one of those visions of the future that every single technologist is so sure is coming. They want to force it down our throats. They that's wanna, why I was asking about the mass appeal. I mean, the, I know. The, 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 
Yes, and the, the issue is maybe maybe the mass appeal is there if you can turn this into something that looks like the size of glasses that doesn't have a massive battery hanging off it. But we're decades away from that. And by the time that gets here, oh my god, why are we the doing this podcast on this thing then? Oh my god, decades away. What are we doing here? Let's talk about programmatic advertising. That's here now. <laughs> yeah, well, don't we know? <laughs> I mean, imagine, you know, one Decades. thing, I'm pretty sure there's going to be lots of people at Cannes going, oh my God, can we put ads on this thing? Oh yeah, we're actually adding for, a Can we put ads in front of people's, when this kid goes, says hello to his dad, can we put an ad on this kid's face? Because we know that's what they're looking. Yeah, we're adding a session at the New Attention Economy at uh -huh. the Curve Cafe to discuss this very topic. We do have AI and creativity. Myron Nussbaum from Voss is coming to talk about this. <laughs> This is some Apple level marketing you're doing here. It what was very problem. strange. There was no mention of advertising or even programmatic advertising. Oh, I wonder why. I wonder why. I wonder why. I wonder why. You know why? Because Apple wants to be liked and cool. Yeah, but that's the direction this goes. So this isn't even this isn't a mass market product. Those of us who are not early adopters don't really have to care about this for several years. Is that the conclusion? Personally, I'm gonna put one on grandma. Okay, well, against their will, or I mean, do people want this? I guess, and 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 can Apple make people want this? Because I don't think that Facebook can make people want the Oculus because they just have too much baggage and they're just not known for that kind of thing. But Apple, I do think, could make this a reality that other companies. I would be like, yeah, I don't think you can yeah, make a mass yeah, market. Most of likely, this. Yeah. they got a good record. Well, I mean, I think the reason Meta can never do this, which is why they were always, I think their strategy was always kind of baffling to me, is that they don't own enough of the stack. They own like one of the final elements of the stack. Meta is really good at making hardware. They did some really nice portals, which were like little tablets that you could call people on and it had face tracking and stuff like that. Yeah. The problem is that they're Meta. Nobody wants something that has Facebook on their desk. And the second thing is they don't own enough of the stack. Apple could come out and say, hey, and this runs like thousands of iPad ads and it connects to your computer and everything's integrated and you don't have to fucking fuck with USB-C cables and drivers and anything like that. So there's very few companies that can do this. And I think there's very few companies that will do this because it'll look like it's a massive ordeal to get there. It costs them billions of dollars and it's going to be a small business. So, Trey, how surprised are you that, that this thing is not even available until next year? It's not even available for the holiday shopping season, which is when Alex mentioned Microsoft, I'm reminded of Microsoft always rolls out these like products that are not available. And then sometimes they never even come to fruition. What is this? I mean, is this Apple becoming Microsoft? And like, why in the world are they trying to rush this, this announcement mm. out before they even have a product that's available? I suspect that it's either because there's some complexity in the supply chain, getting it out and all that stuff. It's a really complicated product. Or because they wanted enough runway to get it into the hands of developers. So now what they have is they have the next eight months to get people making stuff for it. Before they, they even have access because we don't yeah, even they, know when it's coming out. It's coming out next year. Well, they, yeah, they, it's like Q1, I'm assuming, but they couldn't get developers involved because of the secrecy of the new product. So now they have a long, they have a long runway to do that. I mean, even Atari came out with like Asteroids and like a couple other games. So basically, I'll speak as someone who is not going to has 12 VR headsets like in the basement. The only way that I would buy this, and I think most people is if there's a reason to have this. And I think your grandma, when she's going to have the stick strapped in her head, is going to want a reason that she has this thing strapped in her head. I don't want to speak for grandma. Is the test on this thing going to be if they can get developers to make incredible experiences that people will want to strap this thing on their face? 
I guess I don't see it. It's like Disney Plus is available. Okay, I guess. Really? The issue that I have with it is always is it's a technology looking for a solution and it, there's like a lot of pretty obvious ones that come up. So rather than saying, here's this thing that does this very well, it's the same thing as the meta stuff where it says like, oh, look at this person that's cooking a recipe, but at the same time can say hello to their child when they come in. Look, you can watch movies real big. Literally sitting on a couch in front of a very large TV, then making your, putting a helmet on so you can see an even larger TV is kind of lame. And, <laughs> and you know what? Like, honestly, the only case the only use case that I see is co-working. We could all be in a room together and have this sense of presence and stuff like that. Oh that type God. of stuff really will change your mind on the usefulness of this stuff. This is going to make me want to go back to an office. But it feels to me like, hey, maybe they'll sell a lot. But you know, like the Apple Watch, they released it nearly a decade ago. They're still fucking with what the crown does. The crown, which they announced as like the biggest innovation in computing since the mouse. Then they're saying, okay, well, now it does something different. I can tell you, I've owned a few of these watches. I still don't understand what the buttons do. I still press the wrong button. That's why I'm, I'm saying it's a bad product. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. not great. Okay. It's not great in many I ways. I think the, probably the biggest issue with this. Try Apple. I mean, it's no. beautiful. <laughs> the, the industrial design is beautiful, but the software and the use case Guys. is great as a watch and as a fitness tracker. And I think that they could have done the same thing here and saying, here's this, the way this is going to change the way you work. I think when, when my kids come downstairs and I'm sitting in my Eames chair with my headset on, it's awkward. And they don't know what you're watching. They see your digital eyes. And the problem is you can't, it's like, when you, when you buy an electric bike, you can't buy one electric bike because then the other person riding with you is way behind you. You have to buy two or three electric bikes. And I think that entertainment is... <laughs> you think that you're just going to buy one of those? You're going to spend, you're going to drop $10,000 to get your kids like VR headsets so you no, can my, not look at each other's real We were eyes. working on your relatability index. Right? <laughs> no, what I was saying is it's like, oh, honey, we're going to watch a movie tonight. Okay, let's watch a movie. But oh, I'd rather watch it on the headset. She's like, no, I want the headset. You got to get a couple headsets, right? And <laughs> well, you get no headsets. What you actually do with kids is you say, okay, well, if you, if you can't agree. I mean, it's too obvious. I mean, how often do you watch movies on your own? I, I actually do a lot. I don't. I don't. I like social things. We're social creatures. Well, like we, 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 it's I think an we're isolating have... technology. So That's let me ask you this, and this Absolutely. is the problem that I end up Absolutely. having with it, is I feel like a lot of these technologies have reoriented obviously like how humans socialize with each other. I get some pushback on this and not to generalize, but a lot of the people making these technologies don't seem to spend a lot of time with people like in their lives. And I wonder, is this thing necessarily good? Do we need this? Why do we need this? I don't, I'm not really clear. That's the problem. That's, that's what they didn't sell. And nobody can tell you that. And the cost is so high because you look like a fucking doofus. The utility has to be incredible. Like AirPods, right? They just managed to make us forget that AirPods look completely idiotic yeah. when you just have these two. But they're so useful and they're such a great product that you get over time, you just get used to it and you say, ah, fuck it, I'm going to wear that as a go-to Trader Joe's. This is one of the first Apple products I don't want to see me anyone wearing. Like, I just really don't want to see anyone catching me. So are you pro or anti this? I can't tell. Are you, are okay, you? There's two sides of me. There's the Always. side of things like the computer interface and how people interact with computers is an important topic to me. And how that changes over time is important because I, I think it changes culture and I think it changes the way we experience the world and I think it changes the way we communicate, right? On that front, I remain adamant that this type of stuff is a dud. This is not the way we want to experience computers because it's isolating and you look bad doing it and you feel bad doing it most of the time. And I think Apple will probably create the best version of it but will not be able to fix that. On the 
technology side and on a, just the expertise and how this thing is built, just looking at, they got a lenticular screen at the front of it and cameras that record your eyeballs and projects it through it. It's like black mirror shit. It's like the most sci-fi shit I've seen in a long time. And that is exciting to me. But I think from a cultural standpoint, from a societal standpoint, I don't think this is impactful. Hey, I really hey, don't. Brian, what you need to understand, Alex is a techno-peasant. And he, <laughs> he, there's a lot of contrasts in Alex, and that's what makes him wonderful. He's Austrian and French. He's a poet and a technologist. Oh, this okay. is what's happening, right? So he has, there's a duality to Alex. You're making good points, both of you. I, th I don't know what it's for. I just think I want, it would be cool for a while to have one. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, I think it'll make business class like even better. Business class? Oh, like, business class on, on air. Oh, sorry. All right, have we done enough on this? Can we talk about CNN and sure. why anyone cares about CNN? Do we care? Yeah. Did you mention that there's a supple woven cable? There's a supple woven cable. Another good product. Sorry, let me just see if there was anything else. I took some notes here before we go into CNN. All right, we can. You were like live tweeting it. I was excited. Yeah, I always do. That's I always I do this the one time. It. Yeah, so, oh, it's called Sonoma. The new Mac OS is called Sonoma. And the new desktop background is essentially like next to where I live, which is really nice. I thought like Sonoma is a great name. I'm happy it's called it's called that. They've released a new app called Journaling, and they said it's particularly good for practicing gratitude, which is the most fucking California product launch <laughs> ever. I love the way they name stuff. They have this new thing where you can like put two iPhones next to each other, and it drops your contact card, and they call it Name Drop. They have live voicemail now, so when somebody leaves a voicemail, it just types it on the screen. They released a pro computer, which will cost an ungodly amount of money. And they turned the iPhone into more of a little of a photo display. So you can like kind of put it sideways and see the clock and do stuff like that. So it's becoming much more of an ambient computer, something that's useful when you're not using it, which I think is, I like this idea of the iPhone becoming, you know, Android devices done for this for years, but more useful when you're not using them, including now I'm using iPhone as a camera a lot of the time. And also, I just wanted to talk about their intro video. Their intro video is a guy running across the streets with total disregard for his own safety, chasing bubbles, which are obviously like implied to be AR bubbles. And it was just such an interesting choice to make somebody like just ignore the outside world, nearly get himself killed by trying to catch fake bubbles flying through the city. Yeah, I was. It just, reminds uh, me. It's like I was like running the other day, and there was a guy who was running. You know, it's tight in New York. There's too many people, and he was like running into me because he was looking at his phone while running. Is that guy going to be wearing this freaking thing on his face like while running into me? I mean, we're going to see people wearing those outside. Jesus Christ! Yeah. I got to say the reveal when you first see it and then you see the woman's eyes opening. And I really think you should all watch this reveal video that you can see the eyes through it. It was just the most oh, chilling. It was chilling and exciting. It was a very confusing experience, this whole thing. But you know what? The markets hated it and the stock is down. So there you go. Good. They don't even know what to make of it. The stock's the barely markets. down. The stock barely down. It went, it went from 185 to 179, my friend. No, That's like it's because they the reason is because they priced in. I don't know. I'm just gonna say it. It's a podcast. They priced in the fact that it was gonna be available for Q4, and the fact that they it wasn't available for Q4. They were like, oh, oh soaps. Yeah. That was me doing finance oh, right guy. finance uh, guys. <laughs> you got, you got a few guys, is that right? the only guys that advertising guys can make fun of? And that food chain. Okay, well, there was nothing about advertising in any of these presentations. No, thankfully That's not. Weird. I mean, except for the fact that the whole thing was an ad, 
but yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the kind of ad. I mean, look, Apple's someone, going to someone continue had... to do advertising and like it's dirty little business. Like yeah. advertising is like going to the oh, toilet. No. Everybody wants to do it, but it's not like a, you're going to watch an interview with Tom Cruise and it says, how many times a day do you take a shit? Well, my bowel movements are great. This is how Apple sees advertising. They're just going to do it. But they're oh not going to talk about it because it's that dirty little thing that they do all by themselves in the background. D- Tom Cruise doesn't doesn't poop, Alex. <laughs> I saw my brother-in-law this weekend, and he's he also singled out Alex as as his favorite part of the podcast. But then he said, "Man, I don't know if you're going to be able to sell any ads." With <laughs> That's my whole plan. So. <laughs> try me. Come on, try it, fuckers. We dare you. We dare you to buy an advertising here. I will remind you, Brian, that Alex was the reticent producer slash techno peasant who didn't want to say anything. Do you remember that? I'm like, Alex, come on. What do you think? Now he's the podcast big, big mouth. He's taking over the whole podcast. Can we talk about CNN real quick? There's all this stuff that happens in like the technology side. And then there's stuff that happens in the media side that seems so prosaic and almost like yesterday's news. I think this, like when I read, there was just a 15,000 word story that was like reported over a year by Tim Alberta. And it was in the Atlantic. It went super deep with Chris Licht, who is trying to turn around CNN with now being part of Warner Media. And it is not going well. I don't think it is going well. Just by all accounts, it's not really super going well. And part of me just wonders, first of all, is CNN like savable or does it even matter anymore? Because we spent a lot of time, we've talked about this on this podcast, talking about television news. And I, I watched some Fox News this weekend. It was pretty wild. I know that it has like influence and stuff, but then I was like looking at the, the numbers. I'm like, man, a half million people view CNN in prime time. I don't know. Is this just a misplaced? Because, you know, I think to when you're saying like the alien ship is over the White House, <laughs> there's all this like hand wringing over the future of CNN, like their primetime news programs. It just seems a little bit misplaced. It is it one of those things that because politicians have the TV on, then the audience is more valuable? Why? Partly, partly. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of old people watch cable news and they vote. So yeah. it's an important constituency. I think that the imprimatur of old media, whether it's the cover of a magazine or a, a segment on television, remains important. But I do think that that there's a, just to answer the first question, Brian, there's a little bit of a bigger thing here that's a little bit of a bee in my bonnet. And mm-hmm. it's that media brands that existed when there were far fewer of them, when their connection to the consumer and their place in the kind of infosphere was established and protected, Media brands had real cultural weight. And that weight, like whether it was Vanity Fair or NBC or Seinfeld, those brands sitting inside of these very, very powerful distribution mechanisms made the people that participated in them very famous. And so it was the era of famous magazine editors and the global celebrities and Walter Cronkite and Dan Rather. And one of the things that Chris Licht is fighting is the sort of inevitable decline of cable news. So he's coming in at a time when, imagine you're reinventing the morning show on CNN. Not only are you competing in a shrinking market, and really like even the backdrop of changing behaviors in terms of how we work, you're fighting well-established entrenched behaviors around the network morning shows, and you're trying to build momentum around new personalities that you're inviting into your life in the morning. This is like having your friends around you having coffee in the morning. So it's important to recognize that the task itself is really difficult. 
Then you have like go out a ring and you imagine all of these people inside of CNN that make a good living that in the old days could cross the street if they were unhappy and get another job are kind of trapped on this ship because there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. And then you've got Chris, who's this kind of earnest television producer, high energy coming in and not really kind of with a deliberate transitional plan, like poking at different things. I'm going to redo the morning show. I know how to do that. I'm going to redo nine o'clock. We're going to shit can our CNN plus direct initiative. It's a lot of change in an environment where the currents that you're fighting are really strong. So not only is there a political minefield inside of the organization, You've got a really difficult, if not impossible, job to try to... The whole objective of saying we're going to be a strong kind of source of truth, we're going to be the centrist network, I think is maybe a bad brief to begin with, because that's not really how people work. But it's also not how what people want. I mean, no, they, it's, they, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, and so you've got, to me, you've got just a huge amount of headwind. And then you've got his miscalculations as a change agent. And he's toast. He came back today and apologized and said, I'll work harder and I'll get stand in front of the bullets oh, for you and all that. Death. I mean, it just feels, it feels really hard. And why he had the Atlantic journalist tail him at the gym is beyond me. Well, so like, he was aware of it and he was okay with it? Yeah, you invited him in. For a year, so for a year, Alex. There, half oh. of the articles about him being at the gym. You know, when you're getting ripped and getting swole, you want people to know that. Well, Mark Zuckerberg, he's choking dudes out in like jujitsu and whatnot yeah. these days. He's, yeah. So that's so. not unique to media. Tech guys like to get ripped too. Yeah, no, no. Is all this stuff over? I think there's also the political climate we're trying to build. There seems to be this path that some people are trying to find to differentiate themselves to become like centrists, show both sides. And there doesn't seem to be any money in that because as we've seen from the attention economy, it's only enragement or agreement that really makes money. You either, you turn something on so you can nod along to it or just get furious about it. So if somebody tells you something that is kind of down the middle, that's NPR. They can make that 12 bucks a month from me. Yeah. It's not CNN. That's what, we're not going to be addressing that at the new attention economy because it's the new attention economy. But yes. Right. Yeah, because the old attention has been drained of all its worth. <laughs> exactly. By who, Alex? By who? By technology vampires. <laughs> Sometimes like this Oppenheimer movie is coming out. I've got to say like all of us working in ad tech, we should we should watch it. Feel, Wait, I don't work in, like with with in ad tech? With merchant, yeah, Oppenheimer works in ad tech. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so... Is that how yeah. we got the third-party cookie? Yeah, exactly, it is. It's a yes. side project you had. All right, so CNN, <laughs> Chris Lick toast. <laughs> what is CNN toast, do you think, Troy? I think that... We're all toast in the long run. CNN's still going to make $750 million to me this year in, in profit. If there was no cable bundle, would CNN exist? That's what you have to ask yourself. Man, I would love because, to get CNN on an app somewhere. It's, I find it very difficult to get any of my news right now. Yeah, but if you got CNN on an app, CNN wouldn't make a billion dollars a year. Yeah, what okay. would you pay for? Like four a month? Would you yeah. pay more than you pay for NPR? I'd pay the same. I'd pay $12 a month. Yeah, that number, those numbers don't work. I mean, that's, I mean the, that's the downside of this direct-to-consumer stuff. It's like it, the, the bundle works really, really well for a lot of people. 
Don't you think, and this might be just a different topic, I get a sense that producing content for these things seems really expensive. You look at some YouTube channels that produce pretty good content and they run so lean. How many people are surrounding one of these anchors when they're doing their things? There's like 12 people working in the background with them. There's like seven people in the production room. There's 14 people bringing them coffee and doing all sorts of shit. An hour of content seems to be very expensive considering it's just like somebody talking about tweets. Yeah, there's something between Twitter spaces and the CNN prime time. They they keep saying like how expensive investigative journalism is, but usually these are like low-paid people that they just sent to... Well, to be fair, the opinion programming at best, obviously they make a lot of money, subsidizes the the reporting stuff. There's there's no money in that. Supposedly, but even the opinion programming seems to be incredibly expensive to run. Just like from a production standpoint, each one of these cameras could be replaced by an iPhone. (laughs) Like, you know, if I came in, Elon Musk, like maybe cut the staff by 75%, give everyone an iPhone, let, I don't know who's left, but let Anderson Cooper give him a selfie stick and just let him do his thing. Yeah. My Fox News experience, they had one representative and the guy's in the House of Representatives and he had on like AirPods and was like doing a Zoom. I guess right. it was about like rural internet, so I guess he couldn't get to us. But, but that's what most of these things are. You guys, this is just happening. Alex, you make a great point. And really what's happening is the economics of media have to start to approach the economics of self-produced media, like of the stuff that people make all day long. Those models ultimately converge. We are between eras right now. And there was a lot of surplus profit and essentially production money in the old era where cable bundles were a tax, where everybody bought them, where media brands had the stability of reliable access to a consumer. And we're moving into this era, which has been going on for a long time, which is kind of everything's on demand. A lot of it's free. You're competing with people on YouTube. And then there's the new era, which is the one that you talked about where news is going to, I think your quote was, our existing ways of consuming media is going to feel like chopping wood. Like the next wave is a kind of exponential change on the previous one. Everything is kind of personalized and delivered to you. And inside of that, the economics get really bad and you have to use a selfie stick. Okay, so the future of media is the selfie stick. Yep. Good. I'm there. You're already there. You should be happy. I know. It's great. I I can't get the cost base any lower at this point. Anything more on this or should we get on to summer good products? Well, no, I want to do hate listening. Oh, hate listening. Okay. Hate listening. Well, I thought you also wanted to talk about the HBO Max branding, but let's do that. Oh my God. Those are quick ones. They just wrap into each other. All right. Let's go into, let's, let's start with hate listening. What is your number one hate listen? Let's go around the horn here. All in podcast. Okay. Why? Then why do you look first of all? Because I like watching it. I genuinely always find something enjoyable as either these three billionaires beating up Jason Calacanis or Jason Calacanis trying to be mean-spirited and the only person he can pick at is Friedberg, who's actually the one that's the most reasonable out of all of them. He threatened to quit this week. Yeah. Or just them like how confident in their ignorance they can be. I always find that fascinating. But let me ask you this. What is What do you get out of the hate listen? I think we all have hate follows, hate listens. I try to be very... What do the marketers say? Choiceful about them because I don't want it to be. First of all, you always want to punch up, not punch down. And mm. I always listen to people that I would feel I'm punching up to. I can't watch people flailing that I feel are in trouble. Yeah. So therefore, that makes it really right. easier. I don't like these fucks, most of them. <laughs> Part of it is I like 20% of it. I think they're all intelligent in certain parts of it, but they veer off. They, they really suffer from that thing. It's like, I'm good at business, so I am now a heart surgeon. <laughs> I understand everything that's happening with Ukraine. Listen to me. I launched a SaaS company. 
So I find that there's enough like there. And also it kind of gives me a little bit of an update of what's happening in the market because a lot of the money people, a lot of the capital allocators listen to it and they talk yeah. about, about that stuff. I also find it kind of amusing how capital allocators talk about their stuff like an art skill. Well, most most yeah. of the time it's just like putting chips on a number and Pattern roulette. Matching. Hey, so, watch me raise some money for my next venture, guys. <laughs> what I find interesting about it is like until we had a, a surplus to the point of infinity media, I don't think hate listens or hate reads and stuff really existed as much but it's just because we have so much of it that this is now none of us i think growing up would have watched a tv program that we totally hated or something but i think we used to have a joke in the newsroom about stories that were i was like oh this is gonna get a ton of hate shares and like the <laughs> ideal story would have a it's bunch of get a lot of eyeballs on those ads. Well, they would have a bunch of heat shares, but they would also have very positive shares. And those were like the ideal stories. For instance, we used to do this day in the life at this fashion brand we had, and they were always bullshit. They were complete bullshit. Every single person was getting up at five o'clock to do like meditation for 45 minutes and then care for animals and all this stuff. And it was just utterly bullshit. And it was loathsome bullshit. But there was a lot of people in that industry who found it endlessly interesting. And then there was just as many people who found it completely loathsome bullshit. And so that's the ideal. Yeah, but um, the, the, the of definition content. of a hate listen is there's got to be something in it. Yeah. Not just to hate, but if it's just hate, you won't listen to it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There's got to be some, some it, information. It, right. Know. It's like I hate listen to pivot and it's becoming easier to hate listen to it because it's so indulgent. And when those guys sort of got increasingly famous and when Scott decided that his brand was connected to dad jokes and being a buffoon and shit, it became, it's still tolerable, I suppose, because there's lots of good stuff on there. And I kind of like Kara, although she's getting very, she's very angry. I see, I can still listen to it, yeah. but it'll tip at some point. Yeah, I, I will, I will listen to that show. It's funny. I think they bring out, I don't know if they bring out the worst of each other. I think it's really popular. And I sometimes wonder why, because the actual, if you look at the value of what is in that, what did you think of Galloway's comment on the HBO Max rebrand, Troy? Oh, it's a segue. I thought it was silly. He seems to be one of those marketing executives that's only been good at marketing his own brand. Has he had any other successes? I'm sure he's done other stuff. I mean, he sold a couple of companies. Did like Red know, Envelope? Did, yeah, that was a disaster. But that was early e-commerce. There's reasons it didn't work. Listen, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk yeah, about that one, Alex, you can't. HBO as the platform name is not a solution. So do you want to bring us up to speed? What happened? Because I think it's an interesting topic. Scott fancies himself a brand strategist, which he arguably is. He thinks that HBO is one of the great brands of all time, which it is. And it's been defined by years and years and years of extremely culturally important content. And faced with the decision of having to do something with HBO Max, as it was called when it was acquired by Discovery and became Warner Media, they had to do something with it because they wanted to dump all of their other content into a platform. A platform business is a scale game. Discovery can't have a whole bunch of different platforms, so they needed one platform. Instead of calling it HBO Max, the home of Dr. Pimple Popper, they called it Max. And HBO then became sort of a producer and channel underneath of Max because it's kind of a channelized system. And Scott... Like Disney Pluses. Yeah, they have Marvel underneath of it, etc. Right? Yeah, yeah. And Nat Geo and stuff like that. Scott was incensed by this and he said, why would you throw away the greatest brand of all time? This Zaslav is an egomaniac and he has no sense of how to manage a very valuable brand. And 
it's not a big deal. I don't even think it's that interesting. It's just, I think, a bit of an oversight. And Max is the right name for the service. And HBO should live as a pure thing underneath of it. I don't see why this is so controversial. I don't either. Yeah, it's a channel. Disney is different. If Disney owned Vice, Vice as a channel of Disney Plus doesn't really work. If they did go through that buy. But like this, yeah, why not? Dr. Pimple Popper. Everyone brings up Dr. Pimple Popper. I mean, what we're saying is like they need to consolidate these things into apps and making HBO the master brand for this made no sense. They would have actually completely destroyed that brand. The same way actually HBO Max did because they had too much stuff under there. That was the right call. I think we're going to see more and more of that happening. Hopefully less apps. But at the end of the day, it's just less apps that have more mini apps in them, just more content in them. It just becomes harder to use, I think, over time. Would you rather be an app or a widget? Gotta be a widget. I mean, a widget, you're always there. I aspire to be a widget. Would you rather be an app, an OS, a programming language, or a widget? An OS sounds exhausting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What's your hate list and Brian, and then we can move to good product? Or is that the same thing? Mine is Monocle. Mostly because it's, it's endlessly pretentious and I can't understand its business model. But I actually, I appreciate it because they do the Monocle Sunday. They did an update on Slovenia is getting like a new airline, Adria. They're trying to, and they're going to be flying to like Skopje and Pristina and a few to Munich and Frankfurt. And then they like update you on the Helsinki book fair and various other things. And there's all this stuff going on in the world. And I just love it. I hate it, but I love it because I'm like, I really appreciate people who go off into their own corner and just put like, on a headset. Schroeder is, yeah, yeah, basically like Schroeder is like my spirit animal of the peanuts. And like, he's wearing his VR headset and he's just banging away on his keys. He doesn't even know that the black key is just painted on. And that's how I feel about Monocle. So I like it. You know, that's coming it. to, it's coming to the iWatch, the, the Peanuts characters. Snoopy. Oh, are they? Yeah. Great. I, I went Schroeder. Is he Schroeder? Is he Schroeder in Mesoly Europa? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Although it's not called Peanuts. It's called Snoopy anywhere else. And I noticed that Apple has gotten all the Peanuts content and they actually call it Snoopy Presents. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. You know what a Kermit the Frog is in Serbian? Javits Kermit. <laughs> All right, let's go on. <laughs> that's also, that's, isn't that also the name of the bad guy in the next Mission Impossible? Javits <laughs> Germi? I don't know. I have a lot of Serbian friends, and Serbs have been having a good run at playing bad guys. But now I've noticed there's more and more French guys. Play yeah, guys. well, now they got a good and guy. Russians, Russians are definitely going to be. Jokic uh, is a good guy, and he's from Sambor. He's not mm. a big city guy. He's going to win a championship. I think we need more like Dutch or Belgians. Belgian bad guys? Belgians would be good. Right, but specifically Flemish. What about Canadian bad guys? Jean-Claude Van Damme. Canadian bad guys would be amazing. Jean-Claude Van Damme is, is, a, is a Belgian bad guy. Oh, he is a bad guy. That's true. In one of the movies. By the way, do you think we have any... I, we do have hate lessons. I hope you know that. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'd bring in probably like 80% of those. <laughs> if you hate listen to us, yeah. set up a hotmail and send, send me... <laughs> have you got us some mail from, from hate listeners? No, but I just know that anytime you do anything, particularly if it has any sort of personality to it, that's why I don't view hate listens. I don't feel guilty necessarily about it because in some ways they've resonated in some way. Because if you're just like milk toast and ignored, you talk about pivot, I don't have as strong a feelings as you do. They make their personalities be very sharp for a reason. And in some ways, that's just part of the business in some ways is being somewhat divisive and not being for everyone. I give all in 
six to nine months before it implodes. Freeberg's going to quit. It's got to be fun to watch. Yeah. David Sachs is going to get so annoyed with Jason Calacanis that he's going to leave the podcast. Or become some ambassador or like maybe our admiral of the Joint Chiefs or whichever like buffoon gets elected. Maybe, maybe he'll Guys, be Trump's ambassador to Slovenia. We can fly I just got a, a news update that Taylor Swift swallowed a bug on stage. Just wanted to share that. Okay. Wow. Shrimps is bugs. Let's talk about good product. I wanted to do something different for good product, do like a summer editions because we're what we're, is happening, just to be clear, is this is a hostile takeover of my segment. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I, I'm trying to save you. I mean, you were <laughs> moving really deep into foodstuffs. What did I do last week? Do you Grain. <laughs> You're a good product is cereals and grains, raw material. One week right. I, I think I did figs, Brian. That's and what set me off. Last week I did a category of music and then I mentioned that I like it on Sirius XM and Alex called me old. It sounded like a monocle segment. With Sirius XM. There's, they actually have a radio program, a 24-hour radio. I love how anti, they're against social media. They don't do any. They do newsletters. They're all about magazines, radio, and it's great. I love it. But I hate wow. It. Yeah, great. Okay, good product. Somebody, Troy, you want to start off? Try to, try to tie it into the summer. I feel it. It's summer. Oh. I actually didn't bring a good product this week. I, mean, I could make one up, but... I mean, I really like Crocs in the summer. I like them in the winter too. <laughs> oh boy. For what? The ventilation? Well, I have the sort of off-roading Crocs that have a strap at the back. Oh, right. We already saw these once. Right. So Have I'm we run gonna... out of shit? <laughs> no, we absolutely haven't. I mean, there's good products all around me. This is a great product. What do you think of that headset? This is a great product. This? The AirTag? Yeah, the AirTag. I disagree. I disagree. The... I cannot leave my house without my phone reminding me that I'm forgetting everything I own at my house, including the things I have with me. Like That's my a setting. AirPods. You can set that. Oh, can I set it to ignore the fact that it's always wrong? It is a terrible product. It needs to be always right, and it is very often wrong. Okay, I'm going to follow the brief. My good product is those claw games. On Usually you find them on boardwalks, but also in arcades. I found my claw game in a Walmart in Dresher or Horsham, maybe, Pennsylvania, which was fascinating. I don't go to Walmart a lot so I live in New York City. And anytime I do go to Walmart, it's pretty fascinating for me. I didn't know that they you could get a eye exam there and stuff buy guns too oh yeah obviously but i had no idea that it was an all-in-one you can shop. buy guns but, there too once your eyes are good you know you can buy guns yeah. there but i really like the claw game and i like boardwalk games and i think that we'll be losing something as a culture if we lose rigged boardwalk games that are really frustrated try to win like a stuffed animal that you don't want that's why we have programmatic advertising for though isn't it because <laughs> how many times do i see an ad you could be a winner <laughs> Seems like the same thing. Seems like browsing on the internet, like it's pressing a button and the claw then tries to grab something and sometimes it's nothing and sometimes it's a piece of shit. Yeah, well, I, the thing with the claw is the plushies are not very plush because it would be easier to grab them with the claw if they were actually as they should be as stuffed animals, but they make them like rock hard. <laughs> so you're not gonna you're not gonna get them. They gotta manage them. I just think it's like a way of teaching kids about the disappointment that life is about to provide. I, I grew up going to the shore outside of Philadelphia and Wildwood is one shore town that was a little bit south of where, where we used to go. But it's a little cheesy. They got like a true boardwalk and they got the games and the rides. And there was a lawsuit against one of the main operators of the games on the boardwalk because he was defrauding customers by having the Papa shot and stuff like this be actually like rigged against overinflating like basketballs and making the hoops somewhat smaller. 
But I thought this was accepted. I'm like, that's fraud? Have these people seen programmatic advertising? If you want to do the ad of the week from programmatic advertising, it'd be the one I shared in the thread, which was, it's an illustration of a woman with a cloud coming out of her ass. And it's four signs of dying liver. And it bracket, <laughs> yeah, that's great. write these down. And it's from the esteemed Liver Renew Company. And that seems to me like it's a tabula situation, right? Well, it was on the New York Post. Which also is a good product. New York Post is a great product. Should have is been. It? it should have been way bigger than it is, but that's my thing. Yeah, isn't that what all media companies say about themselves? No, but they and have. If you look, if you look at the Daily Mail and what Daily Mail has done, which I think is pretty uh, impressive, I think that the the Post had that for the U.S. The U.S. is a far bigger market, yeah. and they let Daily Mail come in and establish it itself. Well, yeah, that's a sad, sad state it's of sad. affairs. They could have owned <laughs> this stuff. They could have, yeah. Okay, so to review, you took my segment and you <laughs> brought the Carnival Claw game to the table, a game that, that's rigged, a rigged game, but it's in its rigging that it is fun, right? Because it's so hard to win. Right? Yes. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yes, and, and it's a metaphor for media. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a metaphor. Why well, else be in this business? The game is rigged, but eh, it's kind of fun. Right. And it, if I was to indulge you in some of the things I really like, Brian, like whether it was audio stuff or bicycles or espresso. Oh, I know. It's all very branded. No, yeah. but you'd roll your eyes and you'd say, bring back the fig. Bring back. All right. Do you have some sort of high-end product? I think we should keep it like? for next week now. Okay. I think we've, we've given enough free content to people. We're not paid by advertisers here. This is all free content. And so what we ask of people is that they go and tell their friends and write yeah. comments, even bad reviews. Honestly, like even if you hate listen to us, just write a bad review. Yeah, let's it, get, We just want to know that people care. I don't even know what I'm going to say anymore. Is this going, is this going okay? Is this, is this podcast going okay? Should we stop? Just making the podcast altogether? Yeah, I mean, it brings me some joy, but do we need to get guests on here? Because I'm getting sick of you well, guys. Well, look, okay, okay. This, oh. is the la- this is the last 60 days. We're like up 44% in the United States. We're up 70% in the UK. We're up 92% in Australia. Oh, yeah. We're up 44% in Germany. And we're down 6% in Canada, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, that is 100% true. Those are the uh, the listeners' stats. These are stats straight from Apple. So I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but you know like everyone in Regina, right? Can't you bring them in? Yeah, exactly. Maybe it was because I said search it up. Search yeah, maybe it you up. said search it up. Anyway. Sensitive. Well, anyway, we just need more Canadians and more reviews. Leave a comment and share your thoughts. I'm going to the south of France in three days. Well, enjoy yourself in Monaco, Alex. Are we, are we doing a podcast next week? You could record one and just do it you two, see how that works out. We could have a guest. Find a guest to replace me. That's good. Maybe you might need to get rid of me if you want to sell ads. I don't think that's true. I think the very brave sponsors, advertisers yeah. in our audience. That's what I said. Come at me, fuckers. Not, Bring your checkbooks. We'll not, we'll not <laughs> be deterred. <laughs> I'll do an ad read. <laughs>